Tonight, we are gathered here to celebrate the light. The light that was born over 2,000 years ago. The light that brought hope, love, joy, and peace. The light that was given to us, but is not meant only for us. It is a light that longs to be reflected. Sent out shining into the darkness. So all may come to know it. This light is God's love for us. His love for all. This light is Jesus.
Wasn't that awesome? That's a tough act to follow. Thanks, kids. Appreciate it so much. Hey, there are gifts up here for each one of you. Every child is a gift of, or a gift from the Lord. We celebrate that. We are, we thank you guys for blessing us with your voices. So, if you guys want to grab one of those bags, just one. Don't take more than one. You want to grab one. Find your parents. You can go sit down with them. Uh, for any of those children who are in the audience who didn't get a chance to uh, be up here with these kids and you want one of those bags, we have extras. So if you just put your hand up, we have some folks up here that will pass those out to you. So if, if any of you kids want a bag out there, uh, we'd love to bless you with one. Sure. Well, while they're doing that, I'll introduce myself. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Bethany. Uh, I want to welcome you all to this special evening. It is great to gather with you all. Um, We are going to take about an hour of time this evening. Uh, That's it, one hour. We want to get get you out of here by 7 o'clock because we know you all have family stuff going on. Uh, But we're excited to be able to take a break from all that is going on in our lives with family gatherings, Christmas gifts, meals, travel, all that stuff. It is great to be able to take a minute to just be able to come together and celebrate Jesus. So this is going to be a participatory service. We're going to ask you to sing some songs with us. Uh, We're going to watch a video at one point. There's going to be some different things happening. And we just hope that you are excited and encouraged. If you're a guest, you've never been to Bethany before. If there's anything at all that you need, we have some ushers in the back. They would be more than happy to help you with anything uh, that you need. With that said, I think the kids are starting to quiet down. I'm going to pray for us. And then there's some folks up here who are going to sing with us. So uh, let me just pray. Father God, we come to you tonight. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you would come, that you would give up all that you had in heaven and that you would come down to earth in the form of a baby. And we just celebrate you tonight. We celebrate that you would come to rescue us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to quiet our hearts before you tonight, that we would really enjoy this time and that we would magnify your name. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. You could stand with us and it's our turn to sing.
You may be seated. So this is my wife, Erin. This is the majority of our crew, and we're going to read uh, for you just a small part of the Christmas story. So this comes out of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory was surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven and shepherds, The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. 
All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Two thousand years, still the story. 
Merry Christmas. My name's Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on this special evening. Trust you've enjoyed and been challenged and just refreshed uh, just to consider what Christmas is really all about. That's what we're doing this evening. As you think about Christmas, I'm just going to take 10, maybe 15 minutes here, just to, uh, just a short devotional really on Christmas. Uh, as you think about Christmas, uh, what words kind of come to your mind as you have to describe? If you say, hey, you know what, I want to describe Christmas in one word. What is it? For me, uh, there's a couple words that come to mind, words like joy, uh, but another word that comes to my mind is the word peace. Oftentimes this word is associated with Christmas. Uh, you saw the, the, the kind of the video that just played there. This word is often associated with Christmas because it's something that the angels spoke to the shepherds. Those of you who know the story, you heard it read by the Smeltz family. Uh, you heard the story of um, peace is coming, goodwill towards all men. Not only do I think of peace because it describes Christmas, but if I take a venture, a shot in the dark, I think peace also is a popular term because it's something at Christmas time that you and I deeply yearn for. I mean, even if you're in this room and you love Christmas, Christmas to me is kind of a romantic season. I love it, but peace is still something I find myself missing and yearning for. I think of Christmas, uh, I think of the romantic memories of it being a child. When I was a little boy, like some of these kids up here, we used to go out. We didn't cut down a tree or have a fake tree. We dug our tree. Did any of you guys ever do that? We went out at Christmas time with burlap and shovels. I mean, those of you who attend Bethany regularly know I lose a lot of man points. I think I'll get some back for this one. We'd go out and spend two to three hours out in the woods just digging around this tree. We'd ball it with burlap and bring it in. So I have memories like that. I have memories of not having a lot of money growing up. I would consider our family somewhat uh, on the lower end of the, the economic scale. And, but Christmas morning was always special uh, for, for me, for my sisters. Uh, remember the year that I came down and I'd asked my uh, parents or Santa Claus, as they like to refer to themselves, uh, for a Schwinn bike. And I knew they couldn't afford it. But as I walked down there in that morning, there it was under the tree, the purple Schwinn with all the freestyle parts to it that, that this little chubby junior high boy was never going to be able to use. Uh, but my parents sacrificed this day. I'm not sure how they did it to make that happen for me. So Christmas stirs up fond memories for me. But even in the midst of that, it's still this, this desire for peace. I mean, to the time January hits, a lot of us are busy and worn. Our checkbooks are stretched. Our credit cards are maxed. Um, relationships struggle through this time of year. I put a graph up on the screen for you. Um, Facebook actually shows that <laughs> this is kind of crazy at Christmas time, two weeks before Christmas is the other than Valentine's day, the number one time, you know, in Facebook, you have the relationship status. The number one time for relationships to split happens right before Christmas. But not only is that dating and marriage relationships that begin to struggle, but I think also if you look around down the aisles, maybe, and you see some people that, Oh, wow. Family, we get together with family. And though maybe not the people that are with you, but family sometimes can be a real drain and tiring. So that till we hit Christmas and get through it, I think some of us are just yearning for this thing called peace. It's what Jesus came to offer us, peace. I want to jump to an actually an Easter verse. Uh, I know it's Christmas, but if you will, we got the crosses behind me here, so this kind of fits. I want to share an Easter verse, John chapter 14, verse 27. Uh, it's Jesus talking to his disciples, the guys that hung out with him for three years, and as he's kind of preparing to go to the cross and to die uh, for our sins, he says this to them. I am leaving you with a gift at Christmas time, all about gifts. I'm leaving you with a gift, <laughs> peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Isn't that cool? 
peace of mind and heart. I think there isn't a one of us in this room that doesn't say, you know what? Wouldn't I love to be able to that to describe me, that inner strength, true, deep down peace and joy. That's hard to even put words to Jesus says, I've come and him. He says, well, say, well, I'm going to give it to you. But the thing that's interesting, notice what he says. I'm going to give it to you. and I'm going to give it to you in the way that the world cannot give it. How does the world give peace? How do we go generally go after peace? What I have learned is what many of us do, kids and adults alike. Many of us think our way to peace is to smooth, just get nice, smooth sailing, take care of our circumstances, work hard to earn enough money, have good relationships, have a good job. In other words, go out and get for yourself. And if life is good, you'll have peace. Jesus says, nah, I've come to give you peace. And it's a way the world can't give. In other words, I satisfy you in a way that the world can not satisfy you. As I think about this, Jesus talks another time about peace in his ministry. I want to share this tonight because I think it runs in, you look at a verse like this in this next verse, which comes along and read this one, Matthew 10, 34. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came to bring, I came not to bring peace, but what? But a sword. In other words, Jesus says, listen, I came to bring not peace, but a sword. Now you look at that. Now I brought this up tonight because I knew we're going to have a room full of kids, right? And every child loves a sword. In fact, I keep this thing in my office and I'm always nervous. A child's going to come in there sometime and do something that, uh, but anyway, I probably shouldn't have let them know that, but it sits in my office. So this is a sword. My kids love this sword. I, I picked this up in France when I was there at a missions trip and I was, thought I'd collect a whole suit of armor and uh, funny story. I came back on, this was pre nine 11. I actually carried this onto an airplane, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> That was what does not going to happen today. I'll get arrested. I can carry this into the airport. Same, but Jesus says, I've come to this, I've come to this world. So you say, no, wait, what is it? He says to his disciples that I am offering you peace. But then he says this very black and white statement that I've come not to bring peace, but to bring a sword. Now, as you think about a sword and you look at this thing, you say, well, what is a sword? A sword's an object of war. Now, we don't use them so much. Now, today we've got missiles and bombs and all kinds of other cool stuff. Uh, but you aren't fighting battles with. But in his day and age, this was an object of war. In other words, Jesus is saying, I've come to declare war. You think about swords. They, they kill. They divide. They cut. They split. Jesus says, I've come to do that. And you say, now, wait a minute. <laughs> Didn't you just read a verse that says he came to bring peace? And now, so what is it? Well, if you look at the rest of these verses, I think they bring them together. The rest of the context here, I'm going to put them up in a screen for you. Uh, that comes up here. If you continue reading, Jesus says this. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Think about those words. Think about John chapter 14, which we opened up with, which Jesus says, I've come to offer you peace. And I want to give you peace in a way that the world cannot give it. If you think about these verses, a lot of the things we see in these verses, we begin to think as we live life, we think, well, we can save ourselves. If I work hard enough, if I gain enough money, if I have the right relationships, if I get healthy, if I, and on and on it goes, we think we're going to have life. We're going to have peace. I can save myself. I know deep down in there's this nag, this gnawing, but Jesus says, no, I have come because I will satisfy you. 
I have come to give you life and life to the full. I have come to be your treasure, your all in all. I've come to be everything for you. And I think what he means by the sword is because when we do that, it puts our life. When I say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to take you in everything. I'm going to take you at your word. I trust you. It puts us sometimes at odds with those who are living for themselves. Now, Jesus comes along and he says, listen, you can't save yourself. You actually have to give up your life and die to possess life. I love this thought. I love this picture of Jesus satisfying. You know, right now, the kids in the room, you guys have presents probably at home under the tree, right? Maybe some of you, if your mom and dad put them there, you're at home um, touching them and playing with them, trying to figure them out. That's why we don't put ours under the tree, by the way, till tonight after the kids go to bed. That and so they think Santa Claus still shows up. But the reality is there are gifts there in your home. Maybe there's an Xbox under that tree or Shopkins, or a Wii, or a tablet, or a phone, or some of the older kids, some of the older grown-ups in the room, maybe keys to a car, or you got some kind of gift under that tree that you look to and say, man, that's going to make my life happy, or things that you wish would be under your tree. What do we wish? Maybe a, a wife, a husband, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Maybe we wish we'd have a smaller waistline or uh, go on down a list of things that we wish would be under the tree. And Jesus says, listen, that stuff, it's not going to bring you peace. I satisfy you. I complete you. Now, as you think about this and the tension of this, one of the things that I've become to realize, this is a scary proposition. And this is what I'll close with. It's a really scary proposition. So you're saying, Adam, I've got to die to gain life. I'd say, yeah, that's what Jesus says. You say, well, help me understand. Well, here's one of the things that I've come to realize is with the scriptures is they're quite complex. John 16, says this. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. One of the coolest verses on peace. So as you look at this, Jesus is saying, you, as you step into this world, as you choose me, in other words, if you say, I'm a sinner, I place my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. In other words, I am going to take him at his word and say, he satisfies me more than anything else. I can't save myself. I can't make myself good. I can't do enough right. If I want a relationship with God, if I want eternal life, then I must have my faith and my trust in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, if I do that, I, this is crazy. You say, well, no, wait a minute. If I do that, Jesus says, if I do that, I die. And not only if I die, I'm going to have a lot of sorrow and heartache. But then Jesus says, but keep in mind, you have me. You have me. Now, as I think about this, <laughs> I reflect on this. You may doubt and struggle. We titled tonight, Peace of Doubt. What I've come to learn is if you don't push in with the questions and wrestle you probably haven't embraced the person of Jesus Christ. Christianity um, isn't a simple faith. It's simple in the fact that I get a relationship with Jesus and it's simply by me doing nothing. It's an absolute gift. But Jesus actually comes along in this context of give up your life in Luke chapter 14 and says, hey, count the cost. Count the cost. Know what you're stepping into. Wrestle with it. Wrestle the questions down. And as I've thought about this, and a lot of times I've wrestled with doubts in my mind, I said, no, wait, how can God be a good God and loving God, but still say there's going to be trials and hardship? Well, here's what I've come to learn. Christianity doesn't provide the reasons for each experience of pain. There's some of you in this room tonight that hurt and hurt deeply. 
And I think sometimes we look to Christianity for solutions and, and answers. And I've come to learn that Christianity doesn't provide the reason for each experience of pain. But what I've learned that it does do is it provides deep resources for facing pain with faith, hope, and courage rather than bitterness and despair. You know, people may ask, why does God allow evil? I mean, he says, I'm going to suffer. Why does he allow it? Isn't he all powerful and good and mighty? Why does God allow evil and suffering to continue? You know, we look to the cross of Jesus, which is here behind me, and we still don't know what the answer is. I'll be honest. I don't know. I'll give you some good true answers, but to the totality, I don't know. However, we know what the answer isn't. We know that the answer can't be that he doesn't love us. It can't be that he is indifferent or detached from our condition and our pain and our suffering. God takes our misery and suffering so seriously that he was willing to take it on himself. Christmas message, Emmanuel, God with us. God sent his son to this earth to suffer and to die for you and for me, to pay a price that we could not ultimately pay. And he says, listen, I've come to walk in your shoes. I've come to suffer as you suffer. I've come to be tempted as you're tempted. And I'm going to die and I'm going to raise to new life so that you can look to me for life. And as you embrace me, trust in me. That's the key. Trust in me. You will have life and life to the full. So I want to just challenge you tonight, all of you in this room. You saw the graphic come up on the screen. What do you believe? I think it starts there. What do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? First of all, do you believe that you're a sinner? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that Jesus is the only possible way for you to have life with your father in heaven, God? Do you believe that? But what I've learned when you look at verses like Matthew, where he says, I've come to bring a sword. I've come to satisfy you in a way that nothing else can. What I've learned is belief isn't enough. What I've come to learn, I just want to challenge you, I want to pray for us. I want to challenge you to trust him. Not just believe, but trust. Because see, what I've learned is I've uh, sat in counseling, I've sat with those in counseling. What I've heard is I've heard things like this. I've heard, you know what? I believe he is my husband. I believe she is my wife. I believe that we are married. I believe the facts. Well, that's cool. But you know, sometimes you're hearing the tail end of that, but I don't trust him. I don't trust him. I believe, but I don't trust. What Jesus has called us to is to trust. He said, hey, you can't save yourself. You can't fix your problem. You can't scrub the bad that you feel inside of you away. You need to simply surrender and die and put your full trust in me. Count the cost, pick up your cross and follow me. So for those of you in this room that have never done that, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And I'm just going to encourage you say, you know what, Adam? I'm not sure if I've ever put my trust in Jesus. It's so easy. It's simply saying, I'm a sinner. God, I trust that you will, will bring me to my father in heaven, God. I put my faith and trust in you. I'm going to pray that for you and say simply to simply follow, follow that prayer. Second group in this room, some of you walk in here and say, you know what, Adam? I'm a Christian. I want to encourage you as you walk out of here tonight and you lay your head down in the pillow and you get ready to get up tomorrow to celebrate the day of the birth of, a, of, a, of God in human form. Just wrestle. Do you trust him? Is he more valuable to you than anything else in the world? Is he more valuable you than, to you than the person you may be in bed with or the kids that you're going to greet down by the tree? Or the gifts that you're going to tear open tomorrow. Is he the supreme value of your heart and your life? 
And if he's not, spend some time wrestling before him and just confessing that and saying, God, I'm afresh putting my trust in you. So let me pray. God, I thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the story of your son coming to this earth as a baby, fully God, yet fully man, to ultimately grow in perfection and holiness and to die a death that, God, I can't even get my head around. He paid a price for us. And God, you've looked down at us and said, I love you. And God, right now, every person in the room, I pray that you'd be speaking to hearts. God, right now, I pray that you'd especially be talking to those that are unsure of their relationship with you, or maybe they flat out know that they're distant from you. God, would you speak to their hearts and would they know that it's simply this, them following a simple prayer of God, I'm a sinner. Thank you for Jesus. I put my trust and my faith in him alone to bring me into relationship with you. And God, may anyone in this room that prayed that right now, just prayed those simple words from their heart. God, would they know that right now you've erased all condemnation and all wrath and you've made them new and given them life. And God, would they know that they are sons and daughters of you. God, for those in the room that would came in here tonight with some confidence in that relationship with you, God, I challenge us all. Are you our supreme treasure? Are you the one that we look to for life? Do we value you more than we value the gifts under our tree and our husband and our wives and our sons and our daughters is those verses laid out. And God, as we value you and come to you, you give us peace. Even when we may be divided with a sword, we walk with peace. Even when we may suffer and hurt and cry, there's peace because we have you, Jesus, the son of God. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Adam. I appreciate you sharing the gospel with us. Thanks for doing it so well. Uh, Thanks for sharing your sword with us. Uh, We appreciate it. Uh, If any of you uh, put your faith in Jesus and trust in Jesus tonight for the first time, uh, we would love to walk with you. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or do something embarrassing like that. But if you would just maybe at some point just touch base with Adam or I, just connect with us. We'd love to journey with you in that. Or maybe it's the person who brought you here and maybe uh, you could share it with them and over uh, a cup of coffee or something like that. Uh, I'm sure they would love to uh, share that experience with you and, and walk with you. Uh, well, we're almost there. We're almost coming down the home stretch here. The team's going to share one more song with us. I came up here to give you some real quick instructions. You see what I'm holding in my hand. This is a candle. Uh, when you light candles, what comes off of candles is called wax. And I know the cleaning lady really well, and she does not want to be in here next week cleaning wax off the pews. So I'm going to give you instructions on how to make this happen so that we don't get wax on the floor or on the pews. But we're going to close this service out. They're going to sing one song, and then we're going to do Silent Night together. And at the end of this song, the ushers are going to come forward, and they're going to start lighting candles in the center aisles here. And as they light the candles, here's what we're going to do. You're going to... Take your candle, and once it's lit, it's got to stay upright, okay? So once your candle is lit, you got to keep it upright. If you tilt it, that's how we get wax on the floor or on the pews. So we don't want to do that, or maybe even on your nice clothes. So what we want to do is once, uh, once the person next to you has their candle like this and it's lit, you may come in like this and get their flame and then have yours like this, and then the next person does it. And if we do that, we, we shouldn't get any wax 
on anything. One final thing, parents and guardians, this is on you. If you think your child is responsible enough to have a candle, uh, we would love for them to have one. If not, you can be the bad guy on that one. Sorry. Uh, But we would just ask you uh, to refrain from them having it. Maybe you can hold it with them. Uh, So there you go. At the end of this song, uh, we'll start the candle lighting. Oh 
carefully stand up. Let's sing Silent Night together.
Merry Christmas and have a wonderful evening. You're dismissed.